Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And it says, when he saw this problem, he felt this problem. He didn't just see it from a distance. It says he had compassion. It says, in fact, it doesn't say he had compassion. It said he was moved with compassion toward them. So this moved him in this feeling he had. He felt their lostness. He felt their danger. He felt being without a leader. And what did he do to correct the problem? What did he do to correct the situation? He did immediately moved to correct the problem, and it says he began to teach them many things. So the people were in need of teaching. It says in another place in the Bible, my people, the Jewish people, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why do they have lack of knowledge? Because no one's teaching them. What are, they, what are the rabbis and the others teaching them? They're teaching them about the, all the intricacies of what they can and cannot do on the Sabbath, and that's not leading them out of the danger of hell into the safety of heaven because they really need to be taught how to have their sins forgiven, how to become a child of God, how to become a friend of God. And there's only one way to do that, as John 14, 6 explains, where the Lord Jesus Christ said, he is the way to God. He is the truth about God. He is the life of God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so are the rabbis teaching the Jewish people about the Lord Jesus Christ? They should be. Now, furthermore, it says in Matthew 27, 23, 37, when the Lord Jesus Christ is standing over and looking at Jerusalem, he cries out, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Here we see the Lord Jesus Christ. He's surveying the outside of the city of Jerusalem. He's looking at it all right now. And as he looks at it, his heart can't stand it any longer. And he cries out from his heart over the Jewish people. He cries out, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the cry of of, of grief, the cry of awakening, the cry of sadness and sorrow. And why is he brokenhearted for the Jewish people? He explains why he's brokenhearted for the Jewish people, because he says the Jewish people have killed the prophets and stoned those who were sent to them. Who sent them? Who sent the prophets? Who sent the others to them? Because it says it was him. He identifies himself, he says, I was the one who sent. He says, the Lord Jesus himself was sending those messengers to them, and they were killing the messengers. 
because he was sending those messengers, and he says he was sending those messengers often, often, one right after the other. They killed the prophets. They killed Isaiah. They killed the prophets one by one. Messengers sent to them because his purpose, he says, my purpose in sending all those messengers, he was he saying, I was sending them, and he was saying, I was trying to gather you. I was trying to protect you. I was trying to feed you. Look at the hen and the chicken and understand what I was doing. I was, does not the hen gather her chickens so she can protect them? She can feed them. She can take care of them. That's what I was doing. My wings were being spread over you as the messengers were coming. And what were you doing? Killing the messengers. And the most tragic statement of all was there was only one reason why they weren't gathered. There was only one reason why they weren't protected, only one reason why they weren't nourished. There was only one reason why they killed the messengers, and that was because they, the Jewish people, had made a calm, resolute decision to not come. As one Jewish man put it like this, I would rather go to hell than to believe in Jesus. In the same way, Moses and Paul's heart were broken and concerned for the Jewish people. And we see the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, concerned for the Jewish people. In fact, from these verses, we see why a concern for the Jewish people came into the heart of Moses, came into the heart of Paul, because they were just more of those who were sent. How often would I have gathered? They were part of the often, that's what they were. Because the Lord Jesus Christ had sent them there, and the Lord Jesus Christ had sent the concerned into the heart. And so there are many Christians today, many Christians who, like Moses, have a concern for the Jewish people. There are many Christians who are concerned for the Jewish people, and they're so very, very different from the Jewish people. There are many Christians, like Indian Christians, like Filipino Christians, who are concerned for the Jewish people, and they are isolated from the Jewish people. They never even see Jewish people. I've heard them try to explain. As I asked them, I said, why are you concerned for the Jewish people? You are so different from the Jewish people. You are so isolated from the Jewish people. Why do you have a concern for the Jewish people? And they try to explain why they have a concern for the Jewish people, and it's very obvious that their concern for the Jewish people is unexplainable. It's just unexplainable because they say something like, well, they're God's people, but it's clear that there's no rational reason why this Gentile, so removed from the Jewish people, the Jewish people who are so characterized as being despised and rejectors of the Lord Jesus, but they have this real heart burden, continual sorrow like Paul spoke about. It's very obvious what's happened to these Christians who are concerned for the Jewish people. The same thing that happened to Moses, it came into their hearts, just as it came into Moses' heart. It came into their hearts, it came into Moses' hearts because the Lord Jesus Christ sent that care and concern into their hearts. It was that care, that concern for the Jewish people that came into the heart of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, and he had this tremendous concern for his Jewish people, and it caused the enemies of the Jewish people at his time to grieve over it. And that's described in Nehemiah 2.10, where it says, when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, 
the Ammonite heard of it, that, that Nehemiah had come, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. From that verse, we learn what a person does who has the God-sent concern for the Jewish people in his heart. Like Jeremiah, he comes to seek the welfare of the children of Israel, the welfare of the Jewish people. And there can be no greater welfare of the Jewish people until they have had their sins forgiven, become children of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, to seek the welfare of the Jewish people is to do everything possible to bring, to help the Jewish people to come on their own to their God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why does God send a concern for the Jewish people into the heart of believers? Because God has promised that the Jewish people will show forth his glory. They will show forth the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what that means, therefore, is that there's no hatred of the Jewish people that is not a direct challenge to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who called himself the King of the Jews. There's no anti-Semitic slur. There's no anti-Semitic intent or thought. There's no anti-Semitic act that's not a direct challenge to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. So now when we see in Exodus 2.11, this verse, and we see it as the description of the great turning point in Moses' life. And in that verse, the phrase, he went out unto his brethren, describes to us what he did after God sent the concern came into his heart for the Jewish people. He went out unto his brethren. This describes what Moses did when the concern came. He went to them, he went to visit them. He went to deliver them, he went to, and that's a lesson for us, because as God sends to us a concern for the Jewish people, then we get up and we go to them, and we bring them the deliverer, and we bring the deliverer to them, and we bring them to the deliverer. That's what we do, that's, what, that's a picture there with Moses. And in verse 11, it says, very important phrase in two words, when it describes them, he sees them, Moses sees them as his brethren. It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren. Now to see this great change in Moses, we have to look at the Jewish people from Moses' point of view. Verse 10 says about Moses that when Jochebed turned Moses over to Pharaoh, it says, and the child grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and he, that's Moses, he became her son. And she called his name Moses, for she said, because I drew him out of the water. At that time, when Moses was little, and his mother turned him over to, to Pharaoh's daughter, Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He became her son, that's what it says. And as part of the adoption, Pharaoh's daughter then gave him this Egyptian name of Moses. Moses means, as we said, drawn out of water. Now, Pharaoh's daughter did not just go to the book of names of Egyptian babies and, and say, well, that one sounds cute. I think I'll name him that. Oh, no. This name was very significant to Pharaoh's daughter because she explains why she gave him this name. 
with that name, Moses' daughter, put her brand on Moses. From that brand, Moses' daughter wanted the world to know, and Moses to know, I name him Moses because I want everyone and him to know that he would have died had I not drawn him out of the water. With the brand of the name of Moses, she was saying, I name him Moses, and we can just picture putting a brand like on cattle. I name him Moses because I want everyone to know and him to know that I saved him from dying. She put the brand on. I name him Moses because I want everyone and him to know that this person, Moses, owes his life to me and the Egyptian people. She put the brand on him. I name him Moses because I want everyone and him to know that I drew this person out, not just of the waters of the Nile, I drew him out of the Jewish people of affliction. And I drew him out of the suffering that would have been his and the death, and I drew him out into the Egyptian people of pleasures, of luxury. And as a brand, I, she branded him, and by branding him, she said, I name him Moses because I want everyone to know and him to know this person used to be a part of and loyal to the Jewish people, but now he's a part of and loyal to the Egyptian people. And Moses knew that his name Moses communicated to the world and to himself all those messages. And that's what is behind it when she said, I, and she gave him the name Moses and she explained why. That was the brand that Pharaoh's daughter put on Moses with his name of Moses. That was the brand that Moses bore by virtue of his name. Moses, drawn out of water, given by the, the daughter of the Pharaoh. But that brand of the name of Moses was, was done to him or put on him before he had any say-so in the matter at all. And that brand was given to him when he was little. But now comes these all-important words in verse 11 where it says, Moses was grown. Those words, as we said, Moses was grown, they mean much more than he just grew up in stature. Those words, Moses was grown, means that Moses had now come to the fork in the road. He had now come to the crossroads and he now makes his decision. And this word, this word Moses was grown, those words, they're commented on. In fact, these verses here are commented on in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. This is what it says in Hebrews 11, 24 to 25. By faith, when Moses was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The time in Moses' life was referred to here in Exodus 2.11, the time that's referred to as when Moses was grown. But this time is referred to in Hebrews 11.24 as Moses was come to years. That word come in Hebrews 11.24 is very interesting. 
because it has the connotation of he has arrived. He has moved to this point now in his life, this fork in the road, these crossroads. And so with that word come, we see Moses now coming to this crossroads, and it's a crossroads and a fork where Moses must make a choice. He was come to years. Now it's no longer Pharaoh's daughter who's going to brand him. Now he is choosing what his identity will be. And he stands at that fork in the crossroads. And one road has the sign with an arrow. And that arrow says, that arrow indicates this way leads to the road of suffering affliction with the people of God. This way, this road leads to the way of identifying with the people of God, the Jewish people. This road is the way to being despised and abused by the Egyptian people. This road is the way of being with the people of God, the Jewish people. And most importantly, this road is the way to not only being with the people of God, but this road is the way to being with God. Why? Because in Ezekiel 43, 7, God says, I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. That's what God's saying. I will dwell with the Jewish people forever. In Ezekiel 43, 9, two verses below it, he says, I will dwell in the midst of them forever. In Zechariah 2.10, speaking of the Jewish people as Zion, it says, sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. In Zechariah 8.3, it says, thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. That's why, that's why, that's why that sign reads on that road, this is the way to suffering affliction with the people of God, and then also this is the way to be with God. Then there's the other road. There's the other road, and with it, the other sign reads this way, leads to the road of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season by being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This road is the way of dissociating with the people of God, the Jewish people. This road is the way to being esteemed and pampered as an Egyptian by the Egyptian people. This road is the way to being separated from the people of God, the Jewish people, and to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And most importantly, as it was in the other road, this road is the way to not only being separated from the people of God, but this road is the road that being separated from God himself. Now that is what that sign read for that road, and that's the road to enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season by being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So, when Moses came to this fork in the road, when Moses came to these crossroads, and he saw these two signs, Moses made his choice. Resolutely, firmly, without wavering, he made his choice. And that's what's described to us in Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. When it says, by, and this is the description of the choice of the road that he went down. By faith, when he was come to years, 
He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And you can see him at that point as he pulls his foot away from that road, which would have been called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And then it says in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction. And when it says choosing, we can see him then, he is taking his step toward the other road, which is to suffer affliction with the people of God and then rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So he looks at the sign, Moses looks at the sign on the roads that said, be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, and he said, no, he won't do it. And then he looks at the sign that says, suffer affliction with the people of God and be with God, and Moses says, yes, that's the road for me. Now, if we just take a minute and just put ourselves in Moses' shoes, and just look at the situation from an overview. We've seen from Acts 7.23 where it says, and when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren and the children of Israel. So, from this verse, we understand that Moses has this great concern for the Jewish people. It come into his heart. He wants to free the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt. He wants to relieve them of all the burdens that the Egyptians had put on them. Now, Let's look at this situation and ask the question, what was the most expeditious, what was the easiest way for Moses to take? What was the road that he should take? What was the way that he should pursue in order to accomplish these goals? What's his goals? His goals are to free the Jewish people from slavery. His goals is to relieve them from the burdens. That's what's in his heart. Well, he's not just chopped liver. He's the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and Pharaoh had no son. So that means Moses was slated to be the next Pharaoh. Moses was slated to be king over Egypt. Now, Moses, 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 let's be rational. Let's think about this a little bit, Moses. Moses, can't you just wait? Can't you just be patient? You're 40 years old. Just wait till you rise up into the position of being king over Egypt. Moses, you're gonna be more powerful than Joseph in Egypt. Moses, you're gonna be Pharaoh. Joseph was under Pharaoh. You're gonna be Pharaoh. You're on that track. There's nobody else on that track but you, Moses. And as Pharaoh, Moses, then you can order the freedom for the Jewish people you can slowly institute changes to the Jewish people. You can stop the slavery by an edict. You can put some of the Jewish people in the government. You can say to the Jewish people, we have a new Secretary of Treasury today. His name is Bernstein. <laughs> you could say to the Egyptian people, we have a new Secretary of Defense today. His name is Cohen. And gradually, step by step, the whole situation for the Jewish people could be reversed, and you were on the road to do it. It all could be like that. And then there would not have to have been, Moses, the killing of the Egyptian and all the let my people goes and all the having to make the bricks without the straw and all those plagues. There wouldn't have had to have been the blood and the frogs and the lice and the flies and the anthrax and the boils, and the hail, and the locusts, and the darkness, and the killing of the firstborn. We wouldn't have had to go through all that. And then being chased by the chariots, and the whole Red Sea issue. 
It just got all been done more orderly, Moses, and a lot less drama for everybody. Just wait it out, Moses. Just be patient. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 